Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This week's episode of Cover Zero coming at you solo today. This is Jordan, your host, and the one chiming in. Everybody else couldn't make it, but we got to stay current. We got to keep going because this was a really fun Sunday, as per usual. As per usual, lots to get to here. And I think the first one that I want to really go to, the first area I want to look at is that Sunday night game that just concluded. And that was the Eagles coming out on top over the San Francisco 49ers, 25 to 20. This game was, it was pretty close throughout the majority of it, as everyone had been watching. Both teams went three and outs to start. It's been a murderous row of injuries for both of these squads coming into this tilt as it already was. And it was pretty evident, at least from the Philly side, in terms of how their offense was looking. There was so much east and west motion, very few things going north and south. They tried to integrate in certain sets when they would use Hertz and Wentz on the field at the same time. The two quarterback look, they even tried like a throwback quarterback screen that, that Jalen was going to toss backwards to Carson Wentz. That didn't go well. And then like jet motion stuff, just trying to manufacture things with what little playmakers they did have. And it wasn't really working. But apart from allowing George Kittle to dice them up whenever he was able to skirt loose to get open, that Philly defense actually played pretty well. It actually played pretty well. I'm not even. I'm not really going to lie. Got to give them their their credit there. Their defensive line was pretty much owning that San Francisco offensive line throughout the majority of the game, and it was pretty noticeable, especially as it got down to the fourth. I mean, Brandon Graham was just having a field day against Mike McGlinchey there on that left defensive end, right tackle duel. That was really cool to watch. And the biggest play to me, though, biggest play to me, biggest like part where one team, I guess, put their talons, quote intended, or pun intended, I should say, but pun intended with their talons on the game was when Philly was down. What was it? It was it was third and 10. The Niners had the ball in there on 45. And San Francisco was up three with 10 minutes left on the clock. And if they can get a first down, then they'll be able to try to you know ice the game out and, and really gain some headway on this game and maybe put it away. And that's when Cravon LeBlanc came on that corner blitz. And Nick Mullins... He doesn't necessarily get rid of the ball as quickly and consistently as Jimmy Garoppolo. I do think, though, he has some other traits that make him better, which is a, another podcast or another topic. But he held the ball a little bit too long on that third down, and Cravon LeBlanc got through on a nice blitz, went again right through that right side of the offensive line. And that fumble is what set up the most beautiful throw of Wentz I've probably seen all year. I'm sure Eagles fans would have to agree. It was just this... Just this, it reminded me of that pass in the Super Bowl. Patriots, Giants, not the David Tyree one, but the Mario Manningham one down the left sideline, just a teardrop bomb. There's not much room for the quarterback to really put the ball. There's maybe about the vicinity of a shoebox, and Wentz just drops back and just put it right in the breadbasket of Travis Fulgham. That's that's right. Travis Fulgham with all the injuries they had out on their wide receiving core, even at tight end with Dallas Goddard being out. Travis Fulgham comes up with a huge, huge play, able to keep his feet in inbound, streaking down the left side. And then from there, we all know that that's when Mullins dropped back on the next possession. And there was a pick six from I think the linebacker Singleton just stepped in front. And as soon as he saw Mullins on the goal line and the only thing holding him back from a score was that was the QB. Got to put your head down and fully go freight train on him. And he did. And he did. As a result, though, it's it's crazy. With this early part in the season, we're down with the first quarter. That's done still. 12 more games left to go. You could say the second 
third and fourth quarters left of this season, as I've talked about before, this game had really pivotal impact on terms of in terms of where these teams now are sitting in their respective divisions. Philly at one, two, and one. Shout out to Corday. Shout out to Cecil. Your team jumping, Jonathan Palmer, you as well, jumping into first place at one, two, and one. Prior to this, the only other win in the division came from the week one comeback against the Eagles in division by the Washington football team. And of course, after the uh, the 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 possessed onside kick in it in Dallas that caused Atlanta to get their players possessed or like underneath the hex and not jump on the ball. Those are the only other wins we got in this division. And the Niners then dropping a two and two puts them in last place because they lost to the Cardinals who also sit at two and two. And then the Rams and Seattle both took care of business, got wins right now as they sit at number one and two. As I mentioned, Seattle, on top of that division, quick touch on that game. A little bit closer than some people thought. Russell Wilson just continuing his utter dominance. It wasn't as quite scorched earth as before, or as much of an eruption. But nonetheless, he still was putting his stamp all over this game. Tying Peyton Manning's record for most TDs through the first three weeks of the season. And you just got to really got to really give it up to to Seattle for turning the reins over to him and not really pivoting from that. And I think today what we saw from Seattle that hadn't been as noticeable was a key defensive stop, like in a time in which they, they needed it. Yeah. We saw it against the Patriots with that, that, that running play against Cam Newton on the goal line. But I think in other periods of this game, particularly in the first half to set up Seattle to get that last second buzzer beater touchdown to David Moore, and then also getting some turnovers and just making more plays than we had seen them before, not continuing down that track of allowing the most passing yards throughout the first three weeks of the season. I think this was a better showing because while Miami's record may not reflect it, we all know occasionally you can see some Fitz magic and Seattle did a good job containing that and further supplanting themselves to four and zero at this point. But the other game, the other game I actually wanted to spend some time on and, and touch on it. And it's, I got to talk about y'all boys. Dallas. I, I got to Shamal, Steve Carter, my guys. I know, I know, I know you guys are just distraught after seeing what's happened with this team. 49 to 38. The Browns go into Dallas and just, just create a dream that, that's that Kevin Stefanski just saw written in the stars one night when he went to bed, because this is how he wants to play. No, he doesn't want his squad giving up 38 points. But in terms of just like an offensive approach and you know, the way the game played out, this is ideally what he wants to do. He wants to come in and run the ball a ton. And they most certainly did that. 307 rushing yards on the ground on 40 carries for them today. And this was after they lost Nick Chubb in early on in the game. He had maybe went out after his sixth or seventh touch of the day, brought in Kareem Hunt, and they were also using other guys, Dontrell Hilliard and there was all this other. There was just there were so many different people getting impacts on the running game, including Odell Beckham. What a sight it was just to see Odell had this crazy fifty-yard run towards the end, where it looked like Alden Smith was going to make a pivotal stop in the backfield, and he just took off down the right sideline. Also had two more scores through the air. Just very impressive. And this is the third straight four hundred and fifty-yard game through the air for Dak Prescott. This is also the third straight game where the Cowboys have allowed at least 38 points. And over the last three games going into this match, they were allowing 126 total. I mean, this is just, 
if Dallas wants to be able to take this division, which right now the rest of the teams in it are looking for someone to do so, this defense is going to have to lock it up. I mean, that's honestly like, thank you, Captain Obvious, in terms of what needs to happen for things to turn around. The offense can put up points. The offense definitely can. Now, I've heard some people who are in the school of thought that they need to start running the ball more. And because you look, Zeke's not quite as productive as he is on the ground. 12 carries total today. Dallas is a team only clearing 85, which in retrospect of the passing yards, is just night and day. And the offense is working. The offense is working. Sure, you'd like the running numbers, maybe the run and pass numbers to be a little bit more balanced. But when you're able to put up points like this Dallas team can, you don't need to change anything on the offense. Where you need to apply your attention is to this defense. Because again, we see time and time again, the Cowboys are just put in these positions where their offense has to go cause these eruptions because their defense has already been melted by the lava caused by the opposing team's eruption. I mean... I just can't continue to sit here and think that this team is going to be able to beat any type of offense or team for that matter, opposing team that plays complimentary football, because that's not what Dallas is really doing. Zeke's fumbling at a higher rate when you have a defense that's as porous as theirs and allowing as many yards as theirs. You can't turn the ball over. You just can't do those things if you want to expect to win. Dallas dropping to one and three. The Browns, don't look now, but the Browns are sitting at three and one right now in division record. They are right there with the Ravens. Steelers have, of course, had their bye this week as flexed in by the Titans COVID situation. But the Ravens still having the lead on them because, of course, in week one, they did take Cleveland down. But yeah, I, I got to give it up to the Browns, uh, even though they were up by 40, up 41 to 14. Start of the fourth quarter. Dallas rattles off 24 unanswered three scores with back to back to back two point conversions. I, I just. I don't know what you can expect from this team if this defense is just going to continue to allow anyone thus far that they come in contact with to move the ball on them like they do. Uh, you just can't hope for for kickoffs and onside kicks like that that happened against the Falcons to be your savior to win a late, close game. So moving on, though, another really exciting game of the afternoon was the Tampa Bay Bucks coming out on top of the Chargers 38-31. to The Chargers actually were in command for most of this game on early. Tom Brady today was without Chris Godwin. It seems like he's been without one of his two star weapons on the outside, be it Godwin or Evans, for mainly only just every game except for the Saints one, which is ironically the only one they've lost thus far. So, but this is the, this was a game from Tom Brady that I didn't know if we'd be able to see, or at least if we were going to see it, see it in week four. This was a big time Tom Brady performance. It really was. This was the most yards he had put up in terms of a total statistical value since the Super Bowl when they lost to the Eagles. He dropped 369 yards, five touchdowns today. And if you were watching the game, you probably saw at least three drops from Ronald Jones take place as well. I mean, it just, he was really looking like a guy who I can throw downfield still. I can take big shots. I can be risky. He still looked so on point today and so surgical. And even when he was down 24 to 7 in the second quarter, went up and just just kept, kept doing what Tom has done so many times. So many times. It's nothing new to necessarily see a Tom Brady comeback. The only thing that's new is to see him do it in a Bucks jersey. And that was very impressive today. That was very impressive today. Even though there was a loss that took place for the Chargers, you got to really say that Justin Herbert is looking good. And I've watched every single snap of this kid at least twice since he was at Oregon. Big time duck fan here. 
And I watched every snap of his at least twice when he was in college. And he's had that arm on him since about the sophomore year. But stringing plays together consistently in big games was something that he started to struggle with a little later. Some could argue, and there's a valid point to it, that possibly his college coach, Mario Cristobal, having a really conservative type of ball control, smash mouth, grinded out offense, not really let Herbert cook, as we have said for so long, and people have said about how Seattle does with Russ. Maybe not doing that is what maybe hindered Herbert from finding his rhythm and really getting into his stride at times. And that's possible. That's really possible. So, but thus far, man, he's he's looked very nice. He moves well in the pocket. That was one thing I wondered with him being, he's a good athlete. The kid can move. The kid's coordinated. He Once he gets going, he's, he's a strider. But I just wondered if his quick twitch ability in the pocket was going to be able to allow him to have success. I really did. And thus far, I can't really say that it hasn't. Just... Tremendous showing from him and Justin until you play my Raiders. <laughs> I wish the best for you. I really do. I really do. Austin Eckler today was carted off the field in the first quarter. Just another injury that just we hate seeing. And I just feel like these aren't really going to go away. They never really go away in sports. And just the onslaught of them every single week is going to continue. So battling that on top of COVID, it's going to be a season of really which team ever stays the healthiest, which can we really say it's too much different from the norm? We'll see where you fall there. But today, the Bears fall for their first loss of the season to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts coming out on top 19-11. to Ironically enough, or not ironically enough, I should say, but surprisingly enough, at least to me, this Colts defense coming into this game was leading the league in terms of fewest total points scored against them and the fewest amount of total yards allowed. That is something I wouldn't have even thought to be the case right now as we sit here. I've said on this show a few times, I still think Pittsburgh has the best defense. The Ravens, while you know what we saw against the Chiefs was a one-off and we know what the Chiefs can do, their defense is still top tier. I would really put them up there before I were to mention the Colts, but hey, got to give them their props. And there could be an argument though. There could be an argument of them playing the Jags the Vikings, and then the Jets, who a lot of people have as the worst team in the league, including myself, but the Jets, you know, that's not necessarily a a very tough task to be able to shut down those offenses. But where we're at right now, and then they go, they go in and they play against this Bears team in Lambeau, who made the switch over to Nick Foles and really resurrected a comeback last week. I put up some film on Specialized Sports Analysis, breaking down his coach's tape and just how Nick's much better anticipatory thrower than Mitch is be able to read defenses and 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 get to the right throw but today this Bears offense had seven possessions where they went less than 20 yards in terms of moving the ball they were held to 1.8 yards on the ground from David Montgomery who's known to be able to break tackles and be able to get yards after contact but this Colts defense man is playing is playing really really well that front seven just really really balling DeForest Buckner trades looking like it was very much worth it. Darius Leonard continuing to do what what he does. And I guess just the question of going forward, is it too crazy to say that this Colts defense right now is a top three unit, a top three defensive unit in terms of if we're going to stack them all together? Because I think, you, like I said, Pittsburgh, put Baltimore up there. And then if you look beyond that, like the Ram, no, Bills, Bills defenses, I would probably put up there before them. They're not top three. They're close to the top five, 
really something interesting to keep your eye out and, and just keep looking for as the season continues to trend on. And as I mentioned those bills, I gotta, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my Raiders dropping their second straight first loss since we have been in Vegas for this early season, 23 to 30 today. And I've asked this question before on this show and it's, and look, I watched the whole entire game today. This first live 100% every single snap game I've watched of Josh Allen's. This is the first one. He looked really in control, in command. The guy is not, does not seem to be flustered by whatever's going on around him down in distance plays early in the down plays late in the down recognizing the defense that's in front of him he has a confidence in his offensive line that you that I just maybe didn't necessarily see before but he's back there and he's just collected and he's you've always heard the cliche take what's there and on a few plays that's exactly what he did particularly the first touchdown we had some Raiders, that is, had some injuries in the secondary, guys coming in and out. LaMarcus Joyner went out, and my guy, fifth-round pick, Amik Robertson, went in in man coverage and then just got his eyes just – his he had a complete eye violation in terms of just watching the play action, staring in the backfield while in man coverage on a wheel route, and that's never a recipe that's going to work at this level. Amik will learn. Amik will learn. He really will. But the offense today just let this team down. The Raiders' offense today just really let this team down. Fumble by Darren Waller. Another fumble by Derek Carr. Derek Carr on third down yet again, falling into these traps that he's fallen in before. It's third and 12. Let me immediately think to look to my check down. Just stuff like that. There was a touchdown, like a bomb to Nelson Aguilar, who had a really good game. Really good game for Nelson Aguilar, filling into that deep role since the Raiders were without rugs today. But there was a penalty where he got this like 56 yarder towards the end of the second, for the end of the second quarter. And the tight end was covered up. So the play had to come back. And I mean, he absolutely just burnt toast out of that secondary right between Jordan Boyer and the corner. And, you know, the Raiders sit here in two and two going into this season. I expected after the first quarter was done, we would be here. I necessarily thought that those losses would have came to one different team this way and one different team that way. But I'll take two and two for now as we look to go ahead and face the Chiefs next week, which is going to be very tough for my Raiders to do. Would be remiss also today if I didn't mention the Carolina Panthers rattling off their second win, 31-21 to victory over the Cardinals. And this Matt Rule offense it has really been putting up points and moving the ball, 30 against the Raiders, 30 against the Chargers, 30 against the Cardinals. I have to go back and really check what they what they were able to, to put up in week two. But this, this offense is looking pretty good. Teddy Bridgewater has a nice command of that offense that seems to be a really good find. Very Teddy-esque game, 26-37 for 276. Did have one pick, but no Christian McCaffrey, no problem. Mike Davis, 5.2 on the ground, also brought in five passes for 27 yards. I mean, this this Panthers team is looking is looking solid, and this is, I would honestly say, better than where I would have expected them to be. This Arizona Cardinals team, on the other hand, is, is something we got to bring up. And I got to talk about Isaiah Simmons because this guy I was I was huge on coming out. I mean, really, who wasn't when you saw what this guy was able to do at Clemson in terms of really just being a Swiss Army knife on the defense, a joker piece that has certain turbos that he can unlock with just how he can play in numerous different facets of the game. I, I thought he would be able to just be dropped on the field and at worst just play 
some type of an important role, whether you have him as a run and chase guy, you have him just as a spy guy and he goes to clean up, but it doesn't seem like they can get him on the field. He's played very little snaps. He's played very little snaps. He only had one tackle today. I'd have to go back and watch the film to see how many different snaps he played. But the reason why I bring him up is because on the other side of the ball, there's a defensive player for the Carolina Panthers. And this guy, his name's Jeremy Chin. And Jeremy Chin is a guy that I've actually went back and watched on the film just because of how the Panthers are using him. They are basically using him like the Cardinals, or at least not the Cardinals because they have him and they could choose to use him. Maybe he's not ready to with Isaiah Simmons, but the Panthers are, are at least deploying Jeremy Chin to the degree and the extent of what everyone who watched the tape on and saw Isaiah Simmons be like when he was in college. He's playing linebacker. He's playing slot corner. Jeremy Chin's playing strong safety. Jeremy Chin's playing free safety. And he just rotates in between these positions pretty seamlessly. They keep him in on a lot of snaps. His usage rate is high. And I'm just really excited to see what this guy can bring going forward as the season continues to unlock. Seems like you could say that this uh, this Carolina Panthers team really hitting their stride. And they get that win. That's their second straight against a team that I would consider a pretty good one in terms of the Arizona Cardinals. And Kyler Murray, again, getting it done on the ground primarily. Through the air is still where we're going to need to see a little bit more from him. Only 133 through the air against a team that I don't think too many of us would say is some type of pass defense juggernaut in the Panthers. I really wouldn't think that we would go there, but shout out to the Panthers, Carolina, or shout out to Carolina, and then also Arizona. Both teams fall to two and two at this mark. And that tough NFC West right now, that tough NFC West last place team, as I had previously mentioned, being the Niners sitting at two and two. And then you got the NFC East just not looking, not looking as hot. So the South, though, is going to end up, I think, coming down to these Panthers and the Buccaneers. Maybe the Saints still have some resurgence as they go ahead and get a win against the Lions, as you would expect. I mean, as you would really expect. But I think we saw a little bit more of vertical passing from Drew Brees today. I really think we do. There was a fourth down where they went on it, went for it. And Alvin Kamara got matched up in one-on-one coverage and just ran a wheel route. Not even a wheel route. You'd call it like an like a outside release nine. And just right over the shoulder, dropped it to him. Brees also linked up with Traquan Smith for a couple. They fell down early, 14 to nothing, but... No biggie. They've been here before. And also, I mean, come on, guys. It's it's the Lions. You know what I mean? We've seen what this team can do when they're up. They can allow Mitch Trubisky to come back against them. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it hasn't looked like Drew Brees is going to be able to do that thus far through the season. But here he is doing it. So low-key saw a little division matchup out there in the South with the Falcons hopefully being the one team that can finally come off the schneid and get a win this uh, tomorrow as we go into this doubleheader against the against the Packers and then also the Chiefs because of COVID as we all know being pushed into that Sunday into that Sunday bout or that Monday night bout later on so a doubleheader Monday night games kicking off at four Pacific time and then the second one is going to be kicking off you know pretty much at your usual Monday night football time so gonna have a lot to watch there gonna have a lot to check out and shout out to the Cover Zero podcast fantasy football team finally got us what's looking like a w today it's really looking like a w we were needing it i'm not gonna lie so that's about all i got for you today just kind of going rapid fire over everything that we have seen more or less on this sunday and we'll catch up with you on thursday 
Everybody take care of yourself. That's our show. Be sure to email us with your questions, comments, and statements. Coverzeropodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to like us by supporting our Facebook page. You can find us at Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. And if you want more exclusive content, feel free by clicking join when you want into the SSAW family by typing in Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide Group. See you next week.